What sets you apart? Whether you're a freelance copywriter or an agency, what is your differentiating factor? In your message hierarchy, your why is important, but it should be further down. What's more important, I I argue, is your how. How are you going to give your target prospects the confidence that you're going to deliver on on the results that you've promised them? And one way to do that with specificity is with a framework. So Mm -hmm. I'm a big advocate for frameworks. Whenever I talk to B2B service companies and agencies, I say, right, what's your process? What's your framework? What's your methodology? And sometimes they say, comrade, we don't have one. We just offer seo or we just offer you know recruitment and i say but you must have a process right and what you can do with a process is go okay let's give let's package it up give it a name it's unequivocally unique to us none of these other agencies can say that cracking copy is a marketing and copywriting podcast where we lift the lid on writing for business and read between the lines of effective copy. This is a podcast for creative entrepreneurs and savvy business owners like you who understand the value that great copy can bring to their bottom line. We dive into a different aspect of writing for business in each episode, debunk the myths about how we should write and explore the ways that writing can be fun, conversational and creative while also being high impact for serious results. So listen, laugh and learn with us, Ella Hoyos and Minnie McBride, as we share our words and wisdom in each snack-sized episode. Expect some light bulb moments, interesting guests and practical takeaways as we crack the copy code together. I'm Ella Hoyos and today I have Comrade Saunders of The Creative Copywriter with us on Cracking Copy. I'm really excited to speak to you, comrade, and I have to say that you are our first guest that has come to us through a pitch. You pitched me, you sent me a DM on, on LinkedIn, and um, often, you know, we get pitches and they don't fit, uh, but I checked you out on LinkedIn, checked out your agency, and I thought, you know what, we haven't had an agency boss, an agency owner on the, co- on the podcast yet. We've spoken to a lot of freelance copywriters and things like that, but um, that's why I was curious curious to know more about your agency and your business and also um, the proprietary sort of or the intellectual property that you've created that's sort of a key pillar of, of your offer and I'd like to talk to you about that so first of all though tell us a little bit about yourself um, where you're based um, your agency the size of your team give me the lowdown sure I will do well thanks for having me first of all I'm Conrad I run the creative copywriter as you said uh, we are based in Greenwich, so South East Londoner, London. I'm, I'm a South East Londoner, born and raised. Um, I'm just kind of, I've, I've travelled around, but kind of stuck there. And we've got our agency office just underneath a comedy club in Greenwich. And it's a nice, brisk sort of 15-minute walk from my house, which is nice. I get to avoid the sweaty London commute. Mm. Right now, I'm actually based in Fuerteventura, hence there being a bit of sunlight you might be able to see coming from that direction um because we have a kind of work from anywhere policy in jan and feb so that you can essentially get away from the the gloomy english weather i don't want to rub it in well i'm based in north Um, england and it's very cold it was minus three this morning so yeah but you know crisp a little bit of sunshine that's that's better it's better yeah 
Um, oh. So back, back to your question, I'll try not to go off on too many tangents. Um, <laughs> yeah, the agency is run by myself and my partner in life and crime and business, my wife, Nitsan. She's the managing director. I'm the CEO. I've got kind of a yin-yang thing going on, which is uh, quite powerful. We, we might delve into that. We have a team of, I believe there's 19 of us now in-house, permanent staff permanent team members under one roof so to speak mm -hmm. um although they are spread around uh, half the team are london-based half are we've got a project manager in in uh, in norwich actually we've got an account, senior account manager in margate head copywriter in brighton someone in birmingham so right it, you know this new kind of flexible arrangement where they come in once every other week or once a month or once a week depending on on the arrangement um, so that's that's the that's the in-house team, and then we it, we kind of we'd say we're hybrid. So we also use a lot of trusted freelancers as well when it comes to the copywriting work itself. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, that's really interesting, and I love the fact that you have a remote team and you allow people to roam as well. Because now we're all connected online as well. It doesn't really matter where people work. So yeah, why not give that flexibility in yeah. midwinter <laughs> that chance to get abroad if you want to. So what sort of industry sectors do you work with? Who are your ideal clients? Who do you serve? Tell me a bit about that as well. Yeah, sure. We are sector agnostic and there is a reason for that. So we set, uh, and again, I'm going to dive into that. I think mm. the origin story of the agency will explain why we're sector agnostic. Um, we're called the Creative Copywriter, which is ironically not a very creative name for a copywriting agency and that's because my background was seo and copywriting and it kind of does what it says on the tin and it brings in a lot of traffic to the website and in terms of like the, the type of clients we serve sector agnostic so we literally get you know clients from any and every industry falling on our lap um, including big sexy global brands that we have worked with and do work with i'll do some name dropping now so adidas tiktok Mercedes-Benz, Hyundai, Panasonic, um, and more. Yeah. Um, but we, so there's the kind of like the more well-known sort of fame clients. Um, but we also do a lot of work, uh, with, especially when it comes to content strategy and then ongoing content marketing and copy for tech uh, startups and scale-ups from, you know, the beginning of their journey all the way through. Um, and as well as another sector that's kind of emerging for us we call well we, we've grouped probably various industries together as unsexy tech right. so more of the you know not the kind of SaaS software stuff but yeah. things like piping right you know these old industries these old yeah. companies that have been around for sometimes hundreds of years the kind of stuff that they're the kind of companies that survive uh, a downturn you know an economic recession um and a lot of agencies aren't going after them because they're not quite as sexy uh they tend to be very sales led traditionally mm -hmm. so small marketing teams but are kind of going through this process of digital transformation and thus are quite far behind other industries you know you can look at their websites and go oh jesus that that looks like it's kind of was was built and hasn't been changed since the 90s um and thus you know are in a sense the services that we offer that kind of strategic strategic creative copywriting and content strategy and the research and everything involved in that are are even more valuable to them you know they need that 
even more a smorgasbord of different industries but those are kind of some of the the, the core ones there yeah yeah that's interesting do your uh, clients know you they're unsexy <laughs> i've said it before yeah when i've said when i've used unsexy tech they they, they tend to smile they they, they might get, get a smirk, smirk from them yeah, yeah they get it exactly that's right that's interesting though then that's um identified that sector that niche you're targeting those clients that other people don't necessarily want because they're not cool enough <laughs> but there's a exactly. there's a need there there's a need for that from them yeah um, um, and we make them sexy we make them cool that's the idea you know we bring them into the the, the modern age and kind yeah. of use our frameworks that we'll talk about to kind of drastically change their you know brand dna their online presence their messaging and then their their content funnels and everything they're doing um in terms of their digital touch points and you know taking prospects down that customer journey so we can as i said just provide a ton of value from many different areas yeah fantastic that sounds great i'm curious how you got into agency life because i believe you started out as a, a freelance copywriter a solopreneur whatever you want to tell me a little bit about your story i did no i think i probably start uh university so i studied philosophy at uni which is one of those subjects that kind of teaches you so much and yet so little at the same time in terms of like directing you down a, a particular career path mm. um but i was good at writing and i was good at writing under pressure years later i was diagnosed with adhd and it kind of explained a lot including why when i was at uni i only managed to ever start a, a piece of coursework the day before the deadline literally or two days before so I could just would procrastinate till then but I was very good at achieving a goal understanding what they needed dissecting it um, and then writing under a lot of pressure left uni went to Australia to do the whole work travel thing um, I did I did quite a, I got some work doing face-to-face -face sales um, but with a company, it was, it was charity fundraising, but it's basically pressure sales, right? One of those right. annoying people on the streets that's yes. like trying to get you to sub sign up. Um, okay. And uh, But the company was quite good in that it would educate us every morning in terms of sales psychology. So I learned quite a lot about, you know, sales psychology and, and the psychology of influence and, and persuasion and things that I would later use on paper, so to speak, in, in, in the world of copywriting that I hadn't discovered yet. Um, so I was traveling around Australia doing various kind of sales jobs. That's when I met my now wife, obviously girlfriend then at the time, um, who's originally from Israel. And we traveled around for basically on a shoestring budget for a year and a half, just trying to keep the relationship going. I ended up, um, in Israel, in her parents' house, uh, without a work visa. Basically, I took to the internet and I, 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 I did various courses online. You know, I was like, what can I learn? How can I kind of take advantage of this time when I can't go out there and get a job? Yeah, Social but... media was kicking off. I, I got into Twitter at the time. That was quite a big part of actually social media marketing for the agency. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was in, in that moment, that's when I basically discovered copywriting and SEO at the same time. And the combination is powerful because, you know, basically what SEO teaches you is how to use insights and data to find gaps in the market. You know, I, I took this course, which was all about essentially like 
how to build a blog and start a business based on a keyword niche, right? So finding traffic for certain keywords where there wasn't much competition and then creating a blog all about it, backlinking, interlinking, doing all of the SEO best practices. Um, and, you know, it was all in line. I was kind of attempted to find these keyword niches in line with things that I was passionate about, that I was learning, copywriting being one of them. And I stumbled upon this keyword creative copywriter and various you know other keywords connected to it semantically where there was a gap there there was quite a lot of monthly traffic you know uh, high monthly traffic volume for people searching for creative copywriting but not many websites or blogs that had decent sort of domain authority that was serving that keyword so i found a gap and that's where i essentially started started a blog which is now turned into our agency website, so creative-copywriter.net. And essentially, I was was blogging and teaching creative copywriting techniques and tips, the things that I was learning. As I was learning them, I was kind of putting it out there to the world and sort of documenting my journey and creating a value-driven blog and then writing other articles that linked back to it, all of the SEO best practices. So it's a very unusual route into kind of building an agency, but one that sort of set us up for success because it gave us that advantage of, of having good SEO from the get-go, meaning yeah. that, to be honest, I quite quickly took the leap from a freelancer to the beginnings of an agency. Um, and I think it's because I've always been a bit entrepreneurial and it's kind of in my family too. You know, my my dad was graphic designer, then it got into property development. My brother and sister were both involved in things. So I think I, I had that hunger um, to sort of grow something. And also I, I was I was good at the marketing side of things, right? I'd learned SEO, I was good at getting traffic and I my portfolio was 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 okay, but you know, I I I didn't have years in the game of copywriting. I hadn't one big client. So I thought to myself, right, how can I show a better portfolio to the traffic that was coming to this website? Maybe I can reach out to other freelancers and we'll form a collective. Little did I know at that time that that was essentially basically an agency, right? It's how a lot of agencies start with freelancers rather than actual permanent employees. Yeah. I was calling it a collective. We grouped our portfolio together. Um, and naturally, that's when there was the transition from me doing less writing, less and less, to kind of me QAing and doing sales and all the other kind of functions and, and roles of, of of an agency and of a business yeah um and then i'll i'll skip ahead a bit you know i think you you wear many hats basically at that stage and then you gradually as you grow you start to take those hats off because as you can see is i've just got the one hat now. yeah i think you're known for your hats aren't you comrade like oh yeah yeah part part of the personal brand so it's probably quite a good analogy um you start to put those hats onto other individuals that you hire and they you know they become the kind of uh, take ownership for those functions and and roles and responsibilities of the agency um and what i was very good at was branding and marketing um and knowing my stuff as well and so content strategy became a natural addition to our offering not just the copywriting because i was essentially using content strategy to grow the agency including social media marketing and and you know full funnel word optimization and seo all of those fall under the bracket of content strategy and content marketing so and it's naturally a good kind of combination with copywriting is it's words but it's the research and thinking behind 
how to make those words work for your business. So that became our sort of uh, our kind of offering. Um, and I hired my best friend, who's now our head copywriter, Ella. Um, and it was chaotic. They, they, those were the, uh, we like to call them the, the Wild West days of the creative <laughs> copywriter. Yeah. And then there was a key, a key milestone along that journey in 2017. So 2014, we became a, a, an official limited company. That's like mm-hmm. the official launch of the agency. In 2017, my then and now wife, Nitsan, joined um she kind of came from uh the public sector and the charity sector and kind of felt sort of disillusioned with it and needed a change and i said you know what we could do with your organizational skills um so even if you come work part-time for a while and she quickly sort of progressed into becoming the managing director when we i, I we realized there were some gaping holes there were big right. gaps there I would, you know, I'm more of a visionary, a creative. I'm good at the branding, the marketing, the ideas and the sales. I've got ADHD and there's lots of people who run agencies that do or are further along that end of the spectrum, whereby I'm not naturally process driven. I'm not naturally great at following processes, uh, whereas my other half really, really is. So we've got very, very different personalities in a way and they're very complementary. and. Yeah. That's really when the agency started to grow. So in her opinion, 2017 is when we really started. And that's when we started to grow kind of 30, 40% year on year, other than last year, which was a tough year because of the economy. Um, And here we are. And and now we've caught up to today. And I already told you the sort of size of the agency and and the kind of clients we work with. Fantastic. That's really great. That's really great to hear. Um, and yeah, I guess Nitsan is the um, the integrator. If you've ever read the book Rocket Fuel, that talks about visionaries and integrators. Uh, visionaries, yeah, she, exactly. I say yeah. exactly. Yeah, we do. We we ah. do apply some of the EOS system. Like we we're not full EOS uh, a full EOS agency, but yeah, absolutely. She's the integrator. I'm the visionary. And when we read that book, we were like, Oh my god, this <laughs> makes so much sense. This is us. Because you know, before we would butt heads a bit and. That book almost explains that naturally there will be a bit of headbutting, so to speak, and but you, those two roles are possibly essential, you know, in order to really grow a business. And I think yeah. to grow an agency, I think a lot of agencies don't have an integrator, um, and they struggle to grow and they struggle to kind of, you know, instill processes and all the things that you need to 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 really do well and to grow. Um, so I I I got lucky. Uh, in a sense, that my wife happened to be a natural-born integrator and join the agency. But I would recommend anyone going, you know, uh, down that journey to try to find someone who is an integrator. They might start off being your project manager mm-hmm. and then, you know, kind of progress into that MD yeah. or, or CMO kind of role. Yeah, the yin to your yang, that's what you're looking for in a good team. And a good team as well exactly. does have different dynamics doesn't it different personalities different skill sets and that's what makes a great high functioning team and have definitely a, yeah fantastic so uh one of the more attractive sides of running an agency as i see it is that ability to take on these bigger juicier chunks of work um and pitch corporate clients and i love your bit of the story about you know that collaboration piece um you called it the collective where you figured actually if you uh, join forces with some of your you know copywriter friends and, and people that you know 
in your network that you can actually amalgamate that portfolio and already you're presenting to the world a bigger you know a, a bigger yeah. picture really and that attracts you know more of the same so um yeah i love that fact that you know that an agency can take on these bigger projects and start pitching for yeah. bigger, uh, corporate clients and big brand accounts um so but what do you see as the main advantages of, of running your agency but also you know some of the challenges good question um, there, there are many advantages and many challenges um i've i want to touch on what you said there in terms of that uh, you know that part of the story of kind of being able to take on those big clients obviously that is attractive right you know for example we just uh won crispy cream in 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 november or december last year and just done this amazing brand voice project it's really exciting and such a cool brand and we love donuts right it's like we actually in our team meetings every other week we have crispy cream donuts so it was like a perfect kind of match um and they sent us donut vouchers as well but you know that's obviously a, an advantage and you know when you win a big name um especially a brand that you respect or that you uh, a product that you use or service that you use then like naturally that that feels great that feels good it helps you win more business um that the thing i wanted to touch on was was that kind of fake it till you make it sort of stage which i think is it, my my shortcut was to go right i don't have big names in my portfolio but i've got traffic and there'll be some one in 10 one in 15 people landing on the site will be from a, a larger company how am i going to convince and convert them how am i going to present this image that we are bigger than we are and you almost want to and need to punch above your weight to a certain extent for for a while and present yourself as this kind of bigger better agency and and that's always what i wanted to do even with brat with brand like i'm really into branding um and i kind of um got a really good brand designer to work on the brand so, and so the branding together with the collective and pulling our portfolios together with people that did have some nice brand names it was my shortcut it was my way of faking it till we mm. made it and until we started bringing those big clients on and then we became an agency with actually this real client big client portfolio so the winning big clients is is exciting um the, the hustle is exciting like it's oh, it depends on your personality it really depends on, on what you want you know i think that i do enjoy going out there i enjoy networking i enjoy going on podcasts i enjoy you know i'm passionate about what we do um i enjoy talking to lots of people from different industries all the time and solving their problems solving their challenges and wearing my my content strategy hat um i i absolutely adore our team i mean our, t our team are brilliant like we've it's like a, they're basically our family in a sense yeah. well, they're our children yeah. they're, <laughs> there's one of we, the advantages we, isn't it one of the big things is you yeah. have a team and, and that team feels like family because um as a solopreneur yeah. i'm a freelance at the moment i am a one woman band and yes i love collaborating too because that's my way of, of you know being connected to other human beings but to actually have those that's lovely it, it is and 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 you know we were talking before about the office and the fact that it's flexible but we still we're not completely work from home and you know as much as that happened a lot during covid i started off we started off as a fully remote agency and then we realized that for culture um 
and even mental health, it was better to have an office space. And even for me personally, because I'm so into branding, hence the hat and the typewriters and all the kind of things you'll see on our site, having an office space that we branded up in our colours and having the logo on this, it's really rewarding to have that, like a super cool space where our team come together, you know, some three day, three days a week, but everyone at least once a month. And like I said, these are these are this is the team members that we've cherry picked. We're very, very picky with recruitment that we've picked not just based on their experience, their their skill set, um, but also uh, if they're culturally a good fit. Like and generally we've got a bunch of really funny, cool people that we love and we get on really well. Um, naturally there's uh you know, there's the flip side of that. There's there's kind of the downside that um sometimes with employees, it won't work out, right? Sometimes people you hire aren't the right fit. And back to one of the challenges, which is is a huge challenge for anyone making a leap from being a solopreneur to a business owner that has employees. Um, it's that's not the that's not a nice part of the job, unless you're a kind of cutthroat Donald Trump like person i'm certainly not i'm a people pleaser yeah nitsan is too but she's better at that side of things than me so again i'm really happy that i've got her and we've now got a, a head of people and culture um so that does all hr and recruitment and things like that but naturally letting someone go because they're not the right fit that's or, or just having someone that isn't the right fit and knowing that that's that's things aren't going well and not going right for me, kind of, it kind of eat me up inside, and it's and it's yeah. definitely a it's definitely a challenging part of of of, of growing a business. Yeah, yeah, um, I guess that that can be tough. Yeah, and recruitment generally, I don't know, maybe it's different in London, but recruitment here in in Norfolk, where I live, I think that's a tough gig for for people finding the right people. I guess there's lots of uh, you might get lots of job applications in when you advertise something, but to find that right person is can be a challenge as well, can't it? Really, yeah. Uh, like we've had the the uh, best results by headhunting, and again, we've got we've got Lissy now, and we're also quite good at headhunting because we write good copy, right? So think how many, uh, you know, recruiters are just sending bland messages out saying, "Here, I've got this job offer," whereas we've practiced what we preach. We only did that at a certain point for a while we weren't doing we we're like hang on have we have we even looked at our headhunting message you know and in terms of you know using some of our copywriting best practices like specificity and um voice of customer language in this case voice of employee language we interviewed our team members asked them what's the best thing about working for us what did they hate about their previous job we weaved all of that into our job descriptions into our uh, evp our employer value proposition deck into our headhunting messages and, and after doing that, but after applying all of our kind of strategic and creative know-how, we started seeing much better results from from recruiting. Yeah, so copywriting definitely. can help you in in all areas of of of, of business and life. I, I'd yeah, say it really can. It really can. And the more time you spend on that messaging piece, um, the better. The better your bat signal out is into the world to attract uh, the right people. So, yeah, fantastic. Okay, I just want to circle back to something you said earlier on about the start of your journey and, and getting entrenched in SEO um, in those online courses and building out that blog um, and basing the company name, the creative copywriter, around with SEO first. Um, 
does that has that given you sort of first mover advantage you know do you still have a, a sort of monopoly it won't be a monopoly but do you still have a stronghold with the creative copywriter as time's gone on because presumably other people have come in and they've tried to use that search term as well and um yeah uh, the quick uh, the short answer is yes um you know we're still on page one of google if you search for creative copywriter or creative copywriting more importantly now we're on page one of google for copywriting agency um in, again in most countries around the world um so i found the niche and it you have to maintain it with seo right it's not just about putting the uh the keyword in your domain name in fact that was a best practice back then and it isn't anymore but i'd already kind of started getting the traffic for it created this blog all around creative copywriting done all of the backlinking etc and at the same time you know there were other strings to our marketing uh bow in terms of social media marketing you know at the time twitter was big for us in terms of uh, sending traffic towards our blog those social signals are important for seo as well you know in the end of the day google wants to give a good service to google's users right so by that i mean that it, it wants to provide you with good pages and you know urls and content that match your your search intent whereby someone landing on that that blog or that website spend a lot of time there because they go oh wow this is what i was looking for what i'm trying to say is that we did, we've done a lot of work on seo yeah um since then and still do now and it's really important for us it's like a it, it, it's a, it's still a key a key part of uh of bringing leads for us um we we have tried more to diversify because it's it's slightly risky to rely too much on google because the algorithm changes mm -hmm. google right now for example is going through change changes you know there's the whole SGE things, so a search generative experience, and the fact that you know generative AI chatbots are going to be answering a lot of queries, and that is, we believe, going to be shifting the landscape of content marketing and SEO quite a bit. But that's why we've had to really explore. Last year, we spent a lot of time exploring AI use cases and keeping our finger on the pulse of what's changing, so that we can advise our clients about it, so that we can be again the the first people that that companies go to when they want to understand what does this mean for content marketing what does this mean for my business yeah. how is ai and as search generative experience changing things and what should we do because in the end of the day you know brands still need to connect to consumers consumers still want to find the right content and the right products and the right services and you still need words at every at each of those touch points yeah so the the essence of copywriting and strategic copywriting will still remain and, and and be there even if seo changes you know and 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 other things change there's still a customer journey and yeah. words are still needed to sell every step in that journey yeah absolutely yeah i'm really interested in in the development and it's really a fast-paced development with ai as well you know it's, it is hard to keep up with it because it's changing and shifting all the time but uh like you say it's important to be one step ahead not only for your own self so you know what you're doing but um definitely to advise clients as well so good on you exactly so i want to i want to now sort of shift into um something else you mentioned before we we met which was about 
this framework that your company uses, the 13 lenses. I want you to tell me a bit about about what that is, um, how it works and what it means. Yeah, sure. I can start with where the idea came from. So the agency was growing. Naturally, there was a point many years ago uh, in which I I couldn't QA every piece of work. I couldn't look at every piece of work that our freelancers and in-house writers were delivering to clients. And I remember trying to find a a sample for a, a case study for a new prospect a specific sample for a client, one of our main accounts that we were working for. And I just went to their blog, knowing that we write all their blog content, just to to pick out one of the recent blog posts. Um, And I went to the blog post and realized that it, you know, I saw the blog post, it was brilliantly written, but there were no subheaders. And I know that you need subheaders because a lot of people skim and scan, right? So you need to cater for people that are not going to read every word of that blog post. And I thought, there must be a better way, you know, um, we've let this go through. Surely there's some kind of QA system that we can build. Was that a, bit of, um, was that a bit of an ouch moment? You know, this is somebody representing, a, representing your company, your brand, and you're thinking that yeah, that's not, that's not up to scratch. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was an ouch moment, but also a light bulb moment, you know, it was a pain point and uh, a pain point that kind of led to, this framework that I'll talk about now, which is called the 13 lenses, which is it's a methodology and or a framework that's kind of like 13 different core ingredients in the secret source of, of copy and content that does what you need it to do, you know, compel, convince and convert. And I've broken down what I believe to be and not just what I believe, you know, based on like data and insights and lots of experience and, uh, and expertise these 13 core ingredients, these 13 lenses by which you can look through in order to analyze and optimize your copy of content at at every step of that customer journey. So within each lens, I'll give you one example, the goldfish lens, within each lens, there's a number of questions and a checklist essentially. So it's not just a framework that we bake into our training for our copywriters and into our briefs for all of our writers, both freelance and in-house. We've, we've gone one step further and we've turned it into a scoring matrix. So what happens when we're delivering a copy of content to a client? We'll have a copywriter writing that first draft. It move, moves over to a QA copywriter that can essentially whip through the 13 lenses and they say yes or no. Did we do that? Was well, one or zero? They're being really pedantic. They can say 0.5. And then the idea is to get it to 100% um, or as close to 100% as possible. And what that does is it makes it much more likely for us to not let something slip through, like forgetting to use subheaders or forgetting to add a keyword in in the right way, which falls into the SEO lens, or not using enough kind of conversion copywriting techniques, which fits into the action lens. Mm. Um, And so internally it's a very it's 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 a process you know it's something that we use that just makes things more scientific and you know our kind of spiel which i i I probably forgot to give at the beginning of this what what i usually say to clients is what we do as an agency we blend the science of data-driven content strategy and psychology with the art of creative copywriting to help brands get their 
yeah help help brands get their words right every step of the customer yeah. journey basically i say that's funny because and i don't mean funny haha i just mean i use the art and the science of of copy in my language it, as well because i do believe it is both isn't it there's there's an artistic it, side, there's a very much a data-driven science side and that's how it I is I think that perfect blend that if we had a Venn diagram, I like a good Venn diagram as well, you know, right. in the middle, that sweet spot, that's where the best marketing is done, I think. I think too many marketers belong in one camp or the other, you know, and I think if you combine those things, you know, the, and, and our lenses, some of them are naturally more on one side, you know, we've got the creative spark lens, the zigzag lens, which is about differentiation, the real talk lens, which is about being conversational and human. Um, and then we've got, um, you know, other lenses, which, which maybe would fall more into the scientific side of things, but the overall framework is a scientific approach to copywriting yeah. a more scientific. It's not data science, right? It's not biology or chemistry, but it's, it's a more scientific, more systematic approach to Absolutely. ensuring success and quality. Okay. I understand. So like an auditing process, almost an internal audit. It, exactly. Does it take a long I, time to get through that, those 13 lenses? It, no, not really. Not really. Um, you can whip through it. It could be, it depends on the piece of work, yeah, really. It depends yeah. on how, how long yeah, it is. If it's the landing pages. And and we've got different tabs for each type of copy of content. And the, the questions can differ, some of the same, but the lenses are usually always there. Apart from the SEO lens, that's the outlier because you know, some some things we write are not searchable, like emails, for example. So that wouldn't apply. Mm -hmm. Um but I want to talk about how this works from an external perspective, because this is this is so, so powerful. Internally, it's a brilliant tool that we use. Externally, what this does is really, really differentiates us. And there's one thing that I've found working with lots of B2B companies and agencies as well, is that differentiation is hard and copy is often way too vague, lacking specificity. And the things that, that marketers think are differentiating them usually aren't you know and the language they use there's there's too much jargon buzzwords cliches um and 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 some and a lot of companies think oh our values will differentiate us and there's that famous talk by simon sinek you know focus on the why yeah. um and that's the center point and a lot of companies will lead with their why and go we we believe in and value we believe in and value sustainability and integrity and results and like that's that's why we're different and my, I will, I will throw the question back at them and, and back at, at at you and everyone listening. If I met a company that didn't value sustainable all of those values, I would be worried. You know, it, they're they're not enough to differentiate you because we yeah. really should all value integrity and transparency and honesty and sustainability. Yeah. In your message hierarchy, your why is important, but it should be further down. What's more important, I I argue, is your how. How are you going to give? your target prospects, the confidence that you're going to deliver on, on the results that you've promised them. And one way to do that with specificity is with a framework. So mm -hmm. I'm a big advocate for frameworks. Whenever I talk to B2B service companies and agencies, I say, right, what's your process? What's your framework? What's your methodology? And sometimes they say, comrade, well, we don't have one. We just offer SEO or we just offer, you know, recruitment. And I say, but you must have a process, right? 
because you're a company with people and there's something happening there. You're not just headless chickens running around. So if you talk to them and talk to the heads of department, dig around a little, you can unravel processes right and what you can do with a process is go okay let's give let's package it up give it a name maybe is there are there five steps that you take let's say there's five steps let's call them the five p's and we'll we'll think about five words that begin with p that represent those stages and suddenly you know the recruitment company that is competing with a hundred other recruitment company companies that say we offer you recruitment and we value integrity and we'll get your results they're saying all of that stuff, and we have our, you know, 5P process that's our own IP. It's unequivocally unique to us. None of these other agencies can say that because, it, you know, we, we take them to court. It's our process, and it not only differentiates instantly and unequivocally, but it builds that confidence that there's more to it than just the service. There's a process, There's that, and it, it builds that confidence that, you know, these guys know what they're doing. They've got yeah. something that I can like, they stand behind and that, will, I, that I believe will get me the results and success that I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. And I am, um, yeah, I'm a firm believer in, in having that as well. The thing I struggle with personally, I have a, um, a process in place for my copywriting and, and my research process and my, you know, the wireframe and getting it all right before I present it to the client. Um, but I've been trying unsuccessfully to make that process fit within the name of my company. And maybe I don't need to do this, but, you mm. know, flurry, flurry marketing. It's like, how can I make it fit the letters F-L-U-R-R-Y? And I just, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't try. I should do what you've done. 13 Lenses has got nothing to do with um, the creative copywriter, but essentially you've still got a framework. If you can make it fit, brilliant. We're also weirdly like... Um we're trying to do something similar with our brand DNA process at the moment where I've given the task to our copywriters to, you know, uh, we've got this litmus test of various things. I'm like, make an acronym from it, make something <laughs> sound good. And, but, you know, obviously if you can make it work with Flurry, brilliant, but otherwise come up with something else, package yeah. it up. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Thanks for explaining that. Now, what superpowers has that 13 lenses given you? You know, has it unlocked any doors? Do you think has it unlocked any new opportunities having that framework that methodology in place i believe so yeah i mean one thing it definitely has done has helped us convert more clients um in terms of once they come knocking on the door they're also often not always sometimes they just fall in love with our brand and, and they want to work with us um but they're often knocking on the door of other agencies as well and you naturally go through a pitching process um and when we come in with all of our processes, even not just the ones we're talking about, the framework, the 13 lenses itself, but literally from from what we call a compatibility call, a CC, through to a, a deliverables deep dive, a DD, um, and a recap email after that, we've they they start to experience, they, they even they get a taste of right, this agency are not just a creative agency. They know what they're doing. Like they're, they're taking me, they're already leading me through this, this process whereby, uh, and another great thing about, and maybe I'm not answering the question here, but another great thing about having processes, even at the beginning onboarding, like prior to doing the creative work, is that you're kind of restoring the power balance because sometimes companies will come in here, come in there with an RFP and say, this is what we want. I'm, I'm calling the shots. I want this by on my table by Thursday. What we're saying is like, hold up. 
we, we're not doing a discovery session with you. We're doing a compatibility call. You need to be the right fit for us, mm. vice versa. We're going to ask you questions. Yeah. If you're not the right fit, we'll point you in another direction. This is how we do it. Book into my calendar. And then suddenly it's like, oh, okay. I want to, you know, it's reverse psychology in a way. They want to work with us. It's more exclusive. But you're restoring the power balance. And that's very important. You don't want to start off a relationship with a client when they're calling the shots because sometimes it's a red flag, you know, if they're doing it during the sales process, what's going to happen when you're working for them? Are they going to give you unrealistic deadlines? Instead, you want to say, no, follow our process. This is how we do things. If you're if you're not willing to like follow this tried, trusted, proven process that works, you're probably not the right fit. And yeah. you won't be right, the right fit when we when we do the work for you. Yeah. But, you know, back to your question, 13 Lenses has definitely, I believe, intrigued lots of people when I've talked about it on podcasts. Um helps differentiate me from a copywriting agency person or a copywriter um and in terms of closing deals and kind of our win rate you know our proposal to to, mm-hmm. to win rate um it, it's it's definitely definitely helped yeah. um and generally when i show it on my kind of compatibility calls and i share my screen i give them a peek behind the curtain of how it's used um they, they tend to be very impressed. Um, and we have other things as well, something called Vocalizer and Flow Finder, which is a customer journey mapping thing, but probably don't have time to go into all of those. I'll, just, I'll leave them as, as teasers. Teasers for other episodes. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like it. Well, I like the 13 lenses in that it sounds very creative as well. We've got goldfish lens, the zigzag lens, you know, there's creativity within it, but also it's a very systematic process. And yeah, you're totally right as well about the onboarding stage is really vital. And I think that's why not just for you as an agency managing a big corporate, but even as a small freelance, that discovery stage is about setting boundaries. It's about finding a cultural fit between you and the client, but also about asserting your boundaries and what is what you are prepared to do and where you draw the line. And just making that super clear at the beginning before anyone's signed any contracts paid up, this is how we're going to work together. And if both parties agree, then great, you should be in for a good ride. Brilliant. Yeah. Now, really, I'd like to think ahead to the future. You know, what's what's coming up for you uh, in the company and how do you see the next few years panning out? There's a few questions rolled into one to so take it whichever way you want. And are, and are there any big trends that you see on the horizon for 2024? Uh, well, Look, I mean, most agencies, I I mean, I, I assume freelancers felt it too. Last year, 2023, was tough for most agencies that I've spoken to in terms of the economic climate, you know, two wars and uh, sort of the ripple effect of that and an economic downturn. Naturally, it means that marketing budgets get frozen, you know, companies are less willing to outsource, etc. So... It was tricky. It was tough for us. It was more about uh, more of a more of a survival year than a growth year. Yeah. Um, and we did grow a tiny bit. And again, we're seeing that as a win for last year. I'm hoping that 2024 and from people that I've spoken to, there's a bit of positivity and movement. Economics is like something that is you know goes over my head to a certain degree and it's just it, there's some people predict certain things and other people predict other things and um so in terms of that side i'm just being positive and hoping that you know people will start spending money when when yeah. people start spending money it just all moves and then that 
trickles down and it and you know there's there's more work for everyone for agencies and freelancers um in terms of trends other trends i mean we mentioned it before you know generative ai is something that is changing the world i mean and it's important we you mentioned it also like we shouldn't be burying our heads in the sand i know i've seen a lot of copywriters that are just kind of going ah no it's rubbish it is developing it's evolving and i think by i think the future of copywriting is collaborative you know sort of humans and ai and i think that by not properly exploring it or properly use case testing which we kind of forced the team to do over the last year and just because some people i think will try and go oh i didn't get me what i want oh let's forget it i think i think the risk there is that you might end up kind of like my dad when he was a graphic designer he was slow to the uptake of you know he used to draw logos by hand mm. and then scan them in and downsize them he was a brilliant illustrator but he didn't like technology you know when home computers came along you know apple and um, and uh, adobe photoshop yeah. he he wasn't really interested he had to pivot careers because he, he couldn't keep up yeah and i think by not properly exploring and experimenting with generative ai even if you find that with some use cases um it's not quite there it's not quite giving you what you want go back and forth try and get it to the point where it can give you what it wants the technology is advancing or i do believe that actually being a good creative copywriter will still be needed because uh, generative ai naturally is kind of leans towards creating clichés right because it's learned it's a large language model meaning that it's learned from billions of data points basically it's learned from the web what's out there on the web mm-hmm. uh, we as copywriters know that what's out there on the web mostly is jargon and clichés and not very good copy yeah. so that's what it's learned from so it would tends and it's, it's a predictive tool so it, it, it you know the next word is based on what's most likely to come uh, based on your prompt and and and, and its training so it tends to create clichés um but and so being a creative copywriter and, and and having that skill i think actually puts us in a really good position because it levels the playing field if everyone starts using generative ai to create average content brands will need to differentiate and that's where people who have that skill and that creativity and can harness the power of ai in the right way will will be at the 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 top of the bunch and when i say using it in the right way the use cases that we've found it mainly useful for is kind of research so things like getting voice of customer data like it can scan the web and it can find pain points for a specific niche audience and it can even grab quotes the kind of things they use to describe those pain points so like i said like a key part of what we offer is that research piece and it's helping us do it faster and just as a sparring partner as well you know mm-hmm. um some of our copywriters just when you get stuck and you you know you know you want to use an analogy because metaphors and analogies are they're in our creative spark lens you know they're powerful but you just get a bit stuck and you you go oh can you give me one and you shoot some out and some will be crappy and maybe none of them are good but it just it, it trigger isn't it it triggers you yeah, then you can get exactly. going and it gets you over those blocks that's what i love it for getting me off that yeah blank canvas you know just to to fire up some ideas some starting points and i, I think you're right prompt engineering how to prompt better and how to dig into the responses so that you can hone them and get yeah. a, a result that you're happier with as a research tool yeah 
but I think you know AI admits itself or chat GPT admits some of its answers are factually incorrect it can hallucinate and tell exactly. well. so you yeah. have be have that awareness to know that all right it might be serving me up something something fake <laughs> um 100% yeah. yeah so so yeah use it with caution but use it oh my gosh play with it now why not and just yeah I am and I feel like the whole generative generative AI things like a big octopus its tentacles are getting into every industry every every mm. nook and cranny so just got to ride with it I think another sort of analogy like I think by not trying to explore it and and having patience with it and you know prompt engineering trying to get trying to get better at prompting and understanding how it works and how to achieve what you want it to achieve I think by just going trying once and not having patience and going you know what it's, it's rubbish you can end up like my mum who can't really use google to find what she wants you know we'll get to a point where generative ai is going to be so prolific in our lives but it works in a certain way and knowing how it works will be very important in life i'd say you know my mum has to ring me up every time when she wants to kind of find a website to do something and it I think it, it could be as as sort of as risky as that by completely burying your head in the sand. Yeah. From this is from a life perspective, not just from a professional kind of copywriting yeah. perspective. Yeah. Okay. Um, any other trends that you you're... again because of the economy right now, um, it's it's a, it's a weird climate. You know, it's like everyone is cautious at the moment. And what we say during a downturn, the same as uh, you know, twenty twenty and COVID. And I might be biased here, but what we encourage companies to do is to think of the long term, you know, long term nurturing. Don't try to squeeze sales out of people who are in buying mode. Yeah. That's where content marketing comes into play. You know, nurturing, value marketing, taking people on a journey and, and don't, you know, it's less about conversion because when you're not in buying mode, if they don't have budgets, it, it, it will just be off-putting, right? Just trying to mm. sell, you know, just trying to do outbound or, or even telesales or, or, or whatever. Um, instead, think about the long term because a lot of companies during a downturn, their marketing budgets gets reduced. So they just start, they stop putting content out there. So the companies, and we've seen this in 2008, the companies that regularly, you know, were active on social and, created value-driven content and increased their, you know, share of voice, um, they came out on top at the end of it all because they were the ones that were front of mind. While the other companies were like, no, we can't do any marketing. You have to do marketing. Marketing is a crucial function of a business. Marketing brings in leads, leads brings in sales, sales brings in revenue and revenue drives everything else. So again, I'm slightly biased because I want companies to like spend money with my agency, but I genuinely believe it. And we've seen a lot of We've done a lot of research into what happened in 2008 and kind of uh, and seen which companies came out on top and thrived at the end of it all it was yeah. the ones that didn't just go silent and, yeah. and 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 stop but think about the long term you know content marketing value-driven marketing building building a list um, of, of prospects and slowly warming them up and not just trying to sell 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 because you if they're not in buying modes they won't buy yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's really good advice. It's great. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Brilliant. All right, comrade. So for anyone who's listening, I'd love uh, you to tell them where they can find you. Um, I think best place is on LinkedIn. I'm quite quite active on LinkedIn. So you can find me by searching my name, Conrad Sanders. That's with a K and Sanders without a U. 
something I've been saying all my life. Um, and a LinkedIn newsletter there called Word Science. So you can subscribe to that. That's the best way to follow me because I'm active on, on LinkedIn. And obviously there's links to the website, our blog, etc. all from there. Thank you so much for today. It's been really insightful. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for coming on. Me too. Thanks for having me. You have been listening to the Cracking Copy podcast with Ella Hoyos and Minnie McBride. Don't miss out on future episodes by making sure you hit subscribe down below to keep up with all our podcasts. And more details and resources are in our show notes. So we'll see you next time. Bye.